Mosley Show. Alongside Aaron Sexton, we roll through a, I think it's Wednesday. The holidays have really thrown me off. Still not quite back on a schedule. Uh, but uh, the man who, uh, well, he loves, uh, he loves a good bowl game. And uh, and he loves the portal. He likes to kind of check in to see who's in the portal. It is Kevin Longquist. You see him uh, at Sikkim Sports is his Twitter handle. And then uh, he is in part of that Rivals Network. And uh, I, I, first of all, Kevin, I'm loving this story that's floating around out there about the Aggies. You know, it's like I love that. It can't be the Aggies just went out and had a great recruiting class. Now we've got to float some story out there of what they're offering. I don't think, by the way, the Aggies are the only people out there talking money with recruits. I mean, we just had a recruit say that he picked a school over Texas because all Texas talked about was how much money he could make there. So I, I find it interesting. I won't narrow this down too much because I don't I haven't really seen a reliable source. So let's not hit the story too hard. But I find it funny that suddenly we're we're all aghast that A and M may be, you know, uh getting ready to pay their pay their recruits a lot of money. You know, it, it's some of that Matt, I consider it false outrage only because of the fact that they're not doing it. Uh, obviously, this is all legal. That's not connected to A&M itself or any other school that's uh, going to be venturing into these programs to to offer this and take advantage of the NIL rules as they are. Uh, you still got a little bit of the mystery of the unknown. I, I call it the Wild West. I'm not the only one that's called it that, Matt. And I think there's still a lot of people that, that are out there trying to figure out what's the best way to take advantage of this to make their program attractive and attract players to come to them. But, you know, I go back to looking at what Caleb Williams is doing, the Oklahoma quarterback who went into the portal on Monday, and the response is the immediate response that Oklahoma gave on that. It's, you know, I know he wants to play for somebody who he thinks can probably put him in the best position that will get him ready to go to the NFL, which is a couple of years away. He just finished his freshman year. But then there's also that Aiken idea of, is he kind of putting himself out there for the highest bidder? And it's hard to dismiss that because of the world we're living in today in college athletics. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I find it funny that the OU people are, are somehow thinking, well, maybe he'll go in the portal and come back to us. Kevin, I mean, I, I, that, that rarely happens. I would say that happens about 1% of the time. That somebody yeah. goes in the portal and then says, you know what, I think I'll just stay right where I am. I think I'll stay at Oklahoma. This, this, they, Oklahoma's funny right now. It's a funny program to watch because it is. It's, they, it's put all their, they, they put all their eggs in this Caleb Williams thing. Like, okay, it's all about keeping him. And now they're not going to keep him, but it's kind of like, oh, we're fine anyway. Because we like this coach more than Lincoln. And now we've got whatever the guy's name is from UCF, Dylan Gabriel. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 I, I mean, do you do you find a school like Oklahoma because of its new coach, and uh, you know, you do you think they'll be fine just because of their culture and who they are, or do you think all these transfers and and then probably losing Caleb Williams is going to set them back? Well, I'll put it to you this way: Oklahoma's a blue blood program. We all understand that. Uh, they've been winning for decades. They just put it on Oregon in the uh, 
Alamable with Caleb playing quarterback there. Um, you know, and they're always going to have good players that that'll be attracted to them. I think the one thing that they they might step back a little bit this year under Brent Venables, maybe in like a nine and three or eight and four season. That's that's the possibility there because they're a little bit unsettled on what that quarterback position is going to be like for them, and whether or not Gabriel is going to be the answer, the kid from UCF. If that's going to be the answer, a quarterback, I don't know, and I don't think Brent Venables and Jeff Levy know either until they actually get him in there and they start going through an offseason, and then when they transition to spring. But, you know, it's so odd, though, to see how the world, if you will, got kind of turned upside down on OU after Lincoln Riley jetted off to USC right after Bedlam and how kids just flew out the door one way or the other. It's it's almost like like it was it almost seemed like it has a house of cards feel to it, because of even as good as Oklahoma has been over the last few years, one guy can cause that whole thing to change direction drastically like Lincoln Riley did. Yeah, it absolutely happened. Talking to Kevin Longquist, the uh, the publisher of Rivals, the Baylor Rivals site and uh, Sikkim Sports, at Sikkim Sports, he breaks a lot of news. And then uh, he has kind of a personal site. I mean, he kind of, I don't know how you, you do that. Uh, uh, it was several different Twitter handles, burner phones, all the things that it takes to report, uh, Kevin, but you do a really nice job with it. Now, let me ask you about this uh, transfer portal. I got a couple things. We knew some of these guys were going to be leaving. We, I mean, not surprised that uh, Abram uh, uh, Smith announced his departure from Baylor. We know Petrie's leaving. We know Terrell Bernard's heading out. So we know all that. Now, Gall has apparently decided he's going to stay at Baylor for another year. The transfer from Buffalo, the center, who was really good. Sneed has announced that he is transferring out of Baylor as a grad transfer. Let me ask you, what what does that do to next year's team? R.J. Sneed has been a very loyal guy, uh, I think an excellent player, but saw his role diminish a little bit this season. So I don't think we're shocked that he's transferring. But uh, what did you make of, of that announcement that he was leaving? Uh, I wasn't surprised either, Matt. I mean, if you look at the way the season progressed, uh, the fact that he was kind of the primary receiver at the beginning and then how things started to shift, really from about, I'd say, maybe the Iowa State game to the West Virginia game, where that was, you can, maybe you can go back to even that slant play to Tyquan Thornton, the opening play, their second play of the game against West Virginia, uh, where, it all kind of trend, where it all kind of changed direction for the passing game there. And I think that's where RJ's role really fell off. And Tyquan became the number one passing pass catching source for uh, Gary Bohannon. And I think, you know, from Snead's standpoint, you know, I'm sure he saw this because he was, he disappeared pretty much the last few games of the year. And as good as he was to kind of be that bridge last year, when things were so bad, you know, he just doesn't have that burst of speed that you need for a guy that's going to be a difference maker in your vertical passing game. That's where Taekwon has the difference. And, you know, for this offense that was going play action pass, that needs a deep vertical to be a threat so they can, you know, run the football effectively. But in the meantime, keep defenses honest. Baylor just had to turn to a better resource, and that was Thornton over Snead. And so, you know, nothing that Snead did that was wrong. He just wasn't what they needed there. He became a good second and third receiver behind Taekwon. And I'm sure he wants to try and go to a place where he can probably be in a higher standing. Whether that's going to be at another P5 or a G5 program, time will tell. 
Okay, it, it, but in, and quickly, do you think, Kevin, if, if Baylor needed to look to the portal, they added two excellent offensive linemen. Uh, I mean, Apuika came from the portal, so you got to kind of count him. He became a, a great player sure. for the Bears. What, um, wh- where do you think they would be looking to add some numbers? Linebacker, safety, you think obviously they're losing some cornerbacks. Where do you think they would be looking to add the most? And wide receiver, well, could, they could use some yeah, help there. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, they got Armani Winfield signed, so that's a big deal there. They, they got him signed right on signing day, so I think that's going to make a difference there. And I think that Armani's going to be a guy that can make an impact immediately for the passing game next year. But as far as the portal is concerned, you know, I, I still think that you're, you're always looking for great defensive linemen. You can't be content with what your roster has because, Matt, as you know, behind a quarterback, finding a really good defensive lineman is a hard thing. And if you can find a guy in the system that has experience and can transition to a three-man front, uh, that, that's a great asset to have. I, still, I, I think they're going to probably be in need of a linebacker. And, yes, a little bit of secondary help there because you know, they're going to be a little bit thin back there uh, with some guys leaving like Petrie and JT Woods, that sort of thing. All right, talking to Kevin Longquist, you read him on Rivals. He put out his Golden Bear Awards the other day, and I, I was trying to jump on there. I like, I like reading all that stuff. You can uh, subscribe. I'm sure they'll be running some hot deals uh, this offseason and as they get ready for this final recruiting period to end uh, soon. Kevin, anything uh, on the recruiting front, any, uh, any sort of uh, people that are still out there that the Bears are in on? Uh, it feels like this thing's been p- pretty much put to bed. Any th- any uh, any surprises for this uh, February signing period? Well, okay, so they're at 20 uh, signees for this class, Matt, and we're in a dead period until the end of next week, I think it is, and then they can get back out. I think they'll be pretty selective in who they get. You know, there's a there's a defensive back from uh, Colleen down there, Kamari Terrell, who's a really attractive player, came in for an official visit a couple weeks ago. But the secret's starting to get out on him. He's gotten offers by USC and Clemson over the last week. And so I, I think Baylor's still in a pretty good position with him. But, of course, they're going to have to fight to keep him if they can get him. Um, you know, it, it's the one thing about this time of year uh, for, for classes that are pretty much done is that you can kind of be selective at how you want to put the last pieces of your class together. So my suspicion here is that Baylor's probably going to go maybe add two or three, and then they can go to the portal and add from there because they'll be very systematic in how they will build the rest of this 2022 signing class slash portal additions, uh, that sort of thing. And that's fine. Uh, I, I kind of look at the, the way the portal should be is that you shouldn't run to it and make to be your, be your primary source of adding players because you still got to get re- high school recruits in there to develop them through your program. But I think moving forward for the balance of this season, probably two or three on the on the recruiting side for February 2nd, and then a couple more through the portal, and that'll be systematic as we go along. All right. Well, greatest uh, team in Baylor history in terms of wins, 12 wins, uh, heady stuff. We'll see where they actually finish, probably put them up there, hopefully fifth or sixth place in the country. I think they deserve that. If I told you, if I put this team – up against the 2014 team that finished just out of the the college football playoff, who would you take? That was probably what would be considered the best team of the Bryles era. Uh, 2014 Bears versus 2021 Bears. I'd probably go 14. And I know the difference is going to be because of the fact that um, 
you know, that, that team lost the Cotton Bowl to Michigan State. And this team set the record for wins uh, and obviously won the Sugar Bowl and, and, and that sort of thing. But I, I, I picked Baylor, that 14 team, because they were so explosive offensively, could make the play on a dime. And their defense wasn't that bad either. Now, they just had a bizarre second half against the Spartans. I mean, they should have won that game, as we all know. But I would just I would still lean to the 2014 team. Again, take nothing away from this squad, but I would just lean to that just because of how efficient they were offensively. All right. All right. I like it. I like some of these hypothetical situations. Kevin Longquist takes the 2014 Bears, and uh, headline on this one will be, Longquist uh, prefers Bryles era to Aranda era. All right. Uh, there you go. Thanks for, right. thanks for spinning that. I appreciate that. So. <laughs> okay. Kevin, good work today. Appreciate you. Okay. You bet, sir. Always, ta- always a pleasure. Take care. Okay. Kevin Longquist joining the Matt Mosley show as he does on a frequent basis.